bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Come on. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. Bring them out, bring them out. Yeah. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. Bring them out, bring them out. Yeah. Welcome to this week's episode of Hey, I think we're good here. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jackson Metakekia. And I'm Matt West. And we're here getting to know the sport of volleyball through the life experiences our guests have to share with us. Come take a listen. On today's podcast, we'll be talking to all-time great Cornhusker, Jordan Larson. A three-time All-American, national champion, two-time Champions League winner, two-time Olympic medalist, 2014 world champion, and current national team captain about her journey as a volleyball athlete. Yo! What's up? What's up, Jordan? Hey, Jordan. How's it going? Six shades. Thanks. I'm in the car. Is that okay? That's fine. Don't worry about it. No, it's not okay. All right. Well, (laughs) this is what you're getting. Well, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It's really nice that you came on for us. Yeah, of course. How's life right at? now? Oh, you know, it's okay. It's definitely unusual, not what I expected, right? But it is what it is, and you just roll with the punches, you know? For Absolutely. sure. How does this uh, coincide with your earlier plans before uh, the Olympics got pushed back? Um... Uh, what do you mean just like were like, you be... yeah like were you or are you gonna keep playing pro after this olympics or not uh the potential was there i really liked my time in shanghai and i could yeah. have seen myself going back um just for because it was a shorter season so uh i think if the offer had presented itself i probably would have played but sure. that would have been my last year yeah. um but yeah yeah because you're like yeah. a huge proponent of this new league that they're starting in the u.s right with the 48 girls and the fantasy system yeah yeah maddie was telling that sounds pretty cool yeah at first i was like what is you know like it was a little bit like this isn't normal for us right but i think uh the other leagues haven't succeeded because of like traditional volleyball you know and so Yeah. yeah i don't know i'm i'm excited to see where it can go and i think we have the right people in place and um yeah, it's going to be unique and fun and obviously in the States, so you can't get much better than that. For sure. So, okay. Yeah. So piggybacking off traditional volleyball, this is great. Great segue. So earlier we were trying to figure out, like, okay, what do we want to talk to her about? Do we want to talk to her about her time in Nebraska or do we want to talk to her about her time with the national team? And for me personally, I think university is what makes you you and then you yep. just evolve, right? So – Here's my question to you. When you walk into Nebraska, what are you thinking? Like, what, uh, what are your standards? Thing. Yeah, what are your standards? What's John's standards for you? What's your standards for the team? Like, or you're just, you walk in like wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, like, tell me everything. Yeah, I mean, I definitely knew, like, the standard that was already set, right? They were already number one. Like, they had all the success in the past. And I knew that um, – there was going to be a lot of expectation, uh, but I was kind of excited to step into that because I had bigger goals and bigger dreams, right? At the age of 12, I set these ridiculous goals of wanting to be an Olympian and yeah. I didn't know what that meant, but you know, like I, I, I think that, uh, I think being there and like 
obviously John being in the USA system before and kind yeah. of having that understanding, I think he knew what it took to get there. And so um, I definitely was scared, intimidated, which I think is a good thing because I was ready to embrace um, and learn uh, what was going to happen. So, um, yeah. Who was the first role model that you had growing up being in Nebraska as an athlete that you aspired to be? Like, were they a part of Big Red Nation or is it somebody that was an Olympian or what? Or you're like, I want to be that. That's it. Yeah. Um, I would say I definitely looked up to Logan Tom quite a bit. I think she obviously had a lot of success um, at Stanford and then obviously at, at the national team level. But I think there, I went to Nebraska camp quite a bit and there was a couple girls like Angie Oxley, yeah. um, Lindsay Wishmeyer, like the 2000 national, like Lauren uh, Polakowski, like all those girls on the 2000 team. Like I got to go to camp and like be coached by them. Right. And so um, Amber Holmquist. So I think being able to like see that and like what that, you know, what my future could look like in Nebraska, I think, was cool to, to be able to visualize that and see that when you were 12 how long had you already been playing um I think I was like eight years old but I like my mom threw me in a lot of things right so I was like soccer softball basketball you know I was in the band and you know I just tried to like she just kind of threw me in all these different things which is cool but I think yeah eight and my mom and my stepdad coached me like at the YMCA so I was always kind of coached by them and um yeah, I had a good support system in that. How were they as coaches? Because you seem like we were talking about earlier. I think pride is a big thing that I feel like stems through your whole journey as a volleyball athlete. Because you don't yeah. grow up in Nebraska and play in Nebraska, and you're the governor and you're all these things, right? But it's always yeah. Nebraska where it stems back yeah. to. So when did this pride of like, I am – not I am Nebraska, but, like, I want to be such a big part of Nebraska. When did that hit you? Like, how old were you? Yeah, goodness. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I think, like, <laughs> it sounds so funny. Like, when Beluga gave me that nickname, I know that sounds so stupid, but, like, I think just seeing, like, the impact that Nebraska volleyball has all over the world, right? Yeah. Like, I was in Thailand for, for goodness sake, and – there was a person at the end line like wearing a Nebraska shirt and he knew my dad and I'm like what the heck you know <laughs> wow. it's like we're in Thailand and then of course Faluka just like talks it up and like who who are you you know yeah. like what is this and so I think just the magnitude of Nebraska volleyball and the word like the the name itself right and I think you know for me I think growing up there and going to the university like I think that just kind of all-encompassing like came together because of that but I think the basketball level like speaks for itself. I don't know if that answered your question, but no, no yeah. definitely. It's fair. You know, like, um, and looking back to, so, so you walk in and you obviously you have a pretty good freshman year, but you guys end up losing the natty champ. Yeah. Yep. So what happened? Yeah. We just, uh, Washington just out, played us I mean I'll compete I had one kill that guy I mean it was it was bad coach cook I think took a timeout I get three points like he could just tell that we were just like uh, yeah that... it was not going well and um but obviously with Courtney Thompson on the other side you can understand like the mentality that they had right yeah. and they had this like never been like wanting to prove and 
they had this like chip on their shoulder a little bit where we really didn't have like so much adversity like through the season you know yeah. like we had lost to Colorado I think or something if I remember correctly otherwise we really had kind of a relatively smooth way of getting there and so I think when you sometimes don't hit that like adversity like you don't really understand until it hits you in the face and you're like oh man okay yeah, we need to go through all these things before yeah. we can actually be like a winning team you know so I think Washington for sure deserved that match and um but I think again you see the reflection of 2006 like what happened then right like yeah that's so what, that's what I was gonna have. ask you is like yep as as a freshman and like I'm sure you probably walked in with a ton of pressure I can't imagine that like being the pride of joy in Nebraska and then going to Nebraska you walk in like everything's gonna be great this is gonna be the best time ever like you have yeah. to walk in knowing like, okay, I have these expectations for myself and also all these people that are watching me have these expectations. Having one kill and then going into your sophomore year, what changed? Like what took you from second to first in one year, one off season? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, I think we had a lot of the qualities in uh, my freshman year. Um, I just think we needed to learn some hard, harder lessons. Right. And kind of get to know each other like on a deeper level. And we went overseas for our foreign trip. And I think kind of that state of vulnerability, right. When we're not around our family and like, how can we like function on our own and how do we function as a team and how do we kind of figure out those things? Uh, and I think that off season really like propelled us to, have that like grit and vision and obviously like how embarrassing right like I'm a freshman like wanting to contribute and one kill come on this is ridiculous you know so like of course I wanted to like change that and I think a lot of it was like working on the mental game right like yeah. it's just a di coming in as a freshman you think it's not that big of a deal right not big that big of a change but it really is a big jump and um yeah so I think mentally was a big shift for me and I think the weight room too I I put a lot of time uh, just physically and creating more power and things like that. For sure. When did you kind of realize that you were a leader on the team, like outside of high school and club, um, but at Nebraska, when did you realize you were a leader and what kind of qualities did you think you had as being a leader? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I always tried to like lead by example and I've always had like great people in front of me that, always like represented that and I tried to like kind of follow in that footstep those footsteps a little bit but I think just in general like my actions and how I approach things and like work like my work ethic like I think that standard just kind of like spoke for itself and uh I think sometimes like even now like being more of a like a leader by communication is not necessarily my forte or where I'm great at I try to get in the gym work hard and kind of show what is to be expected. And so I think that has just been kind of a steady and consistent thing throughout my career. Um, so I don't know if there's ever been like a point of knowing that I just try to be the best I can be every day. And I think that just kind of like says something for itself. Have you been yep. like that since you were a little kid? Because most so. people, like, it's lear like you learn it, and some people are just born with it. And you seem like the type of person where, like, you just walked out onto the court for the first day, and you're just like, this is who I am. Yeah. Um, I think I was just always naturally, like, athletic. So yeah. it kind of, like, kind of came a little 
it was just natural for me. And so then I just kind of like leaned into that. And uh, I don't know, again, I had a great support system. My mom, like just embracing that and my dad, like my dad being an athlete, played in college. And I don't know, I just kind of leaned into that athleticism and just tried to really like, I mean, I think God gave me the body that I have. And I think it was meant to play volleyball. So like finding a way to like kind of pick the lock and figure that out, you know? I guess like the real question would be then like what what value or values, morals, beliefs, this system did your parents promote in you at a young age that propelled you into this stratosphere of being a good volleyball player, right? Like is there a story? Is there something that happened along the way or just like this is it? Like this is who I want to be, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think I – there's two things. My mom always talked – and I – this analogy is so kind of weird a little bit, but she always talked about just be a sponge. Like whatever gym you go into, you're going to have a different coach. You're going to have a different teammate, whatever, like just take it all in and kind of apply what works for you. Maybe it's not all going to work for you, but be like coachable, right? Like that's a big learning lesson. And two, I think I never wanted to like disappoint my parents. I know that sounds so, even though my parents never like projected, yeah, never wanted to project any like pressure on me and they never did. I think they always just um, encouraged me and like saw like so much potential. And, but I think I just was so, I'd never wanted to like, I know I just hated the feeling of like having a crap game and coming like, Oh man, that was bad. Right. Like what can I do differently? You know, and just constantly like having that mentality of just, well, that sucks. They probably are so disappointed in my actions or whatever. Like I got to do something different or be better, you know? Do you feel like as you've gotten older and over time, not that that disappointment has diminished, but you don't think about that disappointment as much as like you've evolved as a volleyball player and there are other things that motivate you? Or is it still the same like, oh man, I don't want to disappoint the fans, the the president, whatever? For sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that... Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely shifted probably, right? When you become a professional, like you're playing for this president, right? And yeah. like, you, like for me, like I want to constantly be getting hired. Even if like I want to have the choice to leave or, or them, I don't want them to say we don't want you, right? right? And so like I've always like had that like in the back of my head, like how can I like play just my hardest and know that they are just so proud of me and like want to have me back. And that has just been a constant and I mean, I think it's just a reflection on like my career, right? Like being at a place for five years to like two different clubs. Like, I yeah. mean that, uh, yeah, I just didn't, I don't know. I, I didn't want to disappoint or leave. I mean, I was in great situations. So. Yeah. Why question this can be on or off the record. doesn't matter, but no, why, you're fine. why did you leave Kazan? Um, I really had done everything that I could yeah. do there, right? One Russian Cup, Russian Championship, and we won Champions League. So I was kind of at a point where it wasn't, like, uber challenging anymore. And so I kind of wanted to see um, what else was next. So, but, I mean, it, you talk about club and, like, professionalism and the fact that they took me in at, like, such a young age and really just started building a program. I mean, I, how lucky am I to be able to be that person and, consistently be there right um that that's fate right so um yeah it was a tough decision I can't tell you I was like full tears after we won 
like, why did I make this choice? You know, but I knew <laughs> yeah. like once I got to Turkey, it was the right choice. And uh, obviously, Zaji was fantastic to me as well. So, I mean, you got another Champions League out of it, so it had to be the right choice, right? Yeah, yeah, seriously. So then going back to college, you guys win it, and then, yep. like, I've heard a lot of people say, winning, winning's addicting, right? Yep. So how hard were the next two years without winning it? Like yeah, how, much, you know, how much more did you want to win something? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it is addicting. You're right. And I think we had the tools again in 2007 to win, right? Like we had two national players. We had this team, right? Yeah. We just couldn't get it together. And at the end of the day, I mean, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Right. But I think in 08, we didn't win at all, but it was one of my favorite teams. And yeah. because we didn't, we weren't expected to do anything. We didn't have all the talent, but we found a way to play together. And I've, I've found that the most joy I've had playing is when I've been on those teams, right? When you, you know, don't have all these all-stars and you can figure out how to like manage and win uh, and kind of strategize around that. So it's been, I don't know, it was a really cool, cool year in 08. Is that the year you guys came to the UW and John yep. and Jim tried to scrap? Yeah. I was at that game. That was awesome. Wait, no, no, no. That was the year after, I think. That was in 09? You that was in 09, I think. Because I remember yeah. you guys won it on a serve. Oh, are you sure? Uh, I thought you I won it. I don't remember. On an ace. And I was just like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was a gnarly match. We were down 2-0, then came back, won the set three, one set four, down 9-3 to three in the fifth set. And we ended up coming back. Kayla came, went back and served, I think, like six straight points, got us tied, and then it was, like, back-to-back, -back, yeah. like, until basically 13. And then, uh, yeah, I went back and served an ace. So it was nuts. Jackie, so, you got a question, huh, about serving? Yeah, so – I forget what the year was, but when Karch was your coach at the national team, uh, you yep. used to be a top spin server yep. and pr pretty effective with it. Um, yep. And the USA got some numbers and said, we're better when we jump float serve. And yep. just kind of take me through that process of making that change. And was there any hesitancy from your end or, uh, yeah, just take you through it. That's like a shot at ego in my book. Yeah. Dude, I mean, no, it was seriously. a challenge. Yeah, no, no, I, it was definitely a challenge, but I think I come to realize that my jump serve, like at the level that we were performing at, right? Like it was, it's not like a Boscovich who's the Serbian opposite, just going back there and hitting, like, yeah. I don't know how fast she's hitting her jump serve. Like mine wasn't, I wasn't generating enough power. I was just kind of rolling it to six sometimes. Like it wasn't creating enough havoc on the other side. So I understood the strategy. Now I had never really, I mean, I'd done it, like kind of towards the end of a set if I was tired or whatever so like from a technical standpoint I didn't really know what I was doing but um I definitely appreciative of that vision and being able to see that because I do think it made our team better so yeah. and kind of bouncing around here but with all that's going on in the world right now how are you and the other players on the national team and just your whole program how are you guys keeping in touch and what kind of things are you guys doing together yeah, um, we are doing like two Zoom calls a week with our strength coach. So we're like working out and kind of getting feedback from him. And then we have like a team meeting once a week where we have, have been having like special guests come in. And then we're having kind of some leadership meetings um, 
trying to figure out, you know, fixing our culture or not fixing our culture, but just working on culture and like, how can we use this time to our advantage? Um, and I think people are really thankful for this time actually, because I think it's really going to help set us up and create a good foundation um, because it's been a challenging time. So I think uh, we're going to use it to the best we can. What are some things, and I mean, you don't have to give us a scoop or anything, but what are some things that you feel you guys need more of in order to become gold medalists next year, like that you're working on just chemistry wise, not necessarily physically. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I think, uh, a lot of the work that we need to do is we each need to figure out like who we are, like as competitors, right. And how can we be like, bring our best self to the team. And sometimes people don't always have that freedom, right. Or that ability, or they feel like if they, if they say something like it's going to be used against them, or if they get on somebody, it's going to be like, what the hell, you know? So having that freedom and like, okay to like, assume best intent, know someone's coming from the right, like right direction and being able to use that, um, to help like motivate our team, you know? So, um, that's the kind of stuff we're trying to kind of facilitate and get our minds around, like, how can we each be our best? And then therefore, like, how can we be the best for the team? So then I so guess big, the, that's big stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's so really then, big stuff. Then the real question is, then who are you? Yeah. Hey, I'm trying to answer that question all the time. No, I, I think I am misinterpreted, right? And I need to be better about creating and having relationships outside um, where sometimes I'm just all business, like volleyball and like off court, like blend together. Like I'm just such a volleyball person that I can talk about it all the time. Like I yeah. love this stuff. Like I think what you guys are doing is awesome. And, um, but like some people need to be like step, like step away and like have their time and, sure. um, trying to find a balance of like meeting them where they are and what that means and how can I best be like, so when I like, when I get on them in practice, it's not like, where the hell is she coming from? Like, she's actually cares about me and wants the best for me. It's not, she's just being a bee that day, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. I yeah. mean, you're, you're definitely <laughs> That's dating the, secret the right to guy, sport. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. And he lived with the biggest volley dork I know. Yeah. <laughs> you may be sitting here. <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> He's critiquing me on what I'm saying. Of course he is. He's probably taking yeah. it from Baby Boy. For sure. <laughs> what a guy. So then going back to this theme of pride, how yeah. how easy not easy, it must have been pretty tough to leave Nebraska and like have that chapter of your life close. Yeah. But that being said, pride is obviously a huge part of the gig at USA volleyball. So how is that transition into the national team and being like I'm so proud to be a part of this team and what it stands for. And how has that now translated from your first year and now you're going into potentially your third Olympics as a captain? Yeah. I, I mean, I just get chills. Like when you say it, I mean, I think like I grew up in the USA pipeline, right? Like I yeah. was on youth national team, junior national team. And to like, I don't know, you have this vision of what it's going to look like. Never in a million years you think it is going to happen or that you are going to be in the place that you, like, hoped and dreamed of, right? It, it doesn't often happen like that. And, um, yeah, I, I, I can't tell you how often I try not to take it for granted because I know it's, it's a privilege and it's an honor. And uh, I just – I love representing our country. I know it's not – 
um, you know, putting us in harm's way um, as far as like representing our country, but it's, it's a, a cool honor and try not to take that for granted, you know? Yeah. And you're going on potentially number three. What, what motivates you? Like, why? Why keep going? You did it once. Your goal at 12 was one. Yeah. Now you're going for three. What? Like, what, oh, what keeps you going? Yeah. I mean, trust me, after one, I was thinking about, I was thinking about done, being done. Obviously, after two, I was thinking about done. I don't know. I just, I think, like, I just, I have this, like, I would love to win a gold medal, right? But that's yeah. not, like, what I am now at this point in my career of understanding like when I talk about the 08 team like that's what I search for and that's what I want to be a part of is something yeah. that is bigger than me and finding this like picking a lock like how can we find as a team like finding a way to work together and figure it out because you know I, I think that's what makes me continue to like want to be a part of the sport all right one question nope. we ask everybody is when you were in college who was the first person to give you the business and just dominate? Oh, like who dominated me? You mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you or your team? Oh, <laughs> guys, that's a long time ago. You don't realize. I want to say uh, Crystal Morrison. Oh yeah. Okay. She so played at Washington. Sonia didn't give you guys the business. She did too. Yes, they both did. <laughs> And Courtney, how many, I want to know how many, we would be tipping the ball and somehow some hand would come underneath it. It was ridiculous. I would, I want to go back and I honestly haven't, I think I've watched it once, but I, yeah, don't want to go back and watch. But um, yeah, they played out of their mind. But honestly, we were like really good in college. So <laughs> we were usually the ones like dominating people. I hate to say that, but Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. And who was the first person to give you the business when you walked in the gym for the first time? Oh, man. Um, Jen Salyamua. I don't think you know her. She just uh, – one of the, another outside hitter from Hawaii, and she played on the national championship team – or national championship the year we went to the finals and lost. Um, yeah, I mean, she just, like, had this swagger about her. And um, she never really got on me, per se, but, like, you could – it was definitely – she was just intimidating – um yeah and then I remember Tracy Stahl she was a middle blocker yeah. we had to do bear crawls often and I remember I did like eight and we were supposed to do 10 and she called me out I still remember to this day she's like hey uh you know we have 10 not eight and yeah it was bad so but otherwise <laughs> nothing like nothing crazy sorry guys no that's no that's good stuff okay what was your first summer like with the national team post Nebraska? It's like, oh, that's that chapter's done. It's all said and done. Then, what are your thoughts, feelings, concerns going in? Like, are you nervous? Is there pressure? Is there any stress? Oh yeah, for on? sure. I was definitely nervous. Uh, didn't know what to expect. Um, I get out there, and he was like, "Hey, uh, you know, I don't remember how he worded it exactly, but you know, you've done." pretty well up to this point but we're gonna like make you more efficient so we're gonna reteach you how to pass we're gonna reteach you how to approach and you know, all these things and I'm like hmm okay wasn't expecting that you know and basically it's like either not this is my impression either you buy in or you're just not a part of the team so I was sure. like okay well I'm gonna relearn how to pass so 
going from passing everything in midline to now taking everything outside my body and like creating like setting an angle and learning how to deal with that and then on top of that like the pressure of like performing at a high level and being you know okay in that space of learning you know because in, in a sense you're gonna get worse before you get better For and sure. so uh yeah it was definitely uncomfortable and on top of that my mom was extremely sick uh she had i mean at that point I had metastasized so it was basically just like prolonging her life um and that summer that first summer um I think it was geez I want to say it was like August no September sorry September I got a call and it was kind of like do I come home do I not mind you I was getting ready to leave for Peru because we were going down there before our Norseca event and uh i ended up having to go home because my mom was too sick and like my mom the first day i walk into the hospital and she's like you better not tell me you're missing a tournament which i was and so like she was like livid like what are you doing here (laughs) and uh but anyway she like ended up passing away and i was on a flight two days later to puerto rico to go to norseca so i ended up missing that peru trip but still got the chance to go to puerto rico play with like basically the main girls because that summer it was like a lot of us newbies kind of came in and like ran the summer but then all the vets came back for that Norseca tournament and so that was kind of like my it was probably my second tournament with them but like not like in full capacity so yeah it was a interesting experience to say the least who who was a vet that summer that was kind of maybe took you under their wing or or that you latched or looked for example to? Yeah. Um, I would say like, obviously learning from Logan Tom, right? Like she was yeah. somebody I like idolized as a young kid and, um, just trying to learn from her and, um, yeah, embracing like what she had to offer. Mm-hmm. And, um, I wouldn't say that, uh, I choose to take everything that she like offered, but, um, yeah, it was cool <laughs> to like learn from her and, uh, uh, be able to play next year so was I don't really I don't know much about the Nebraska gym whatsoever but yep. my mom and I were talking and it feels like coach Cook has a really good feel of like letting you guys be individuals and being yourselves yep and because not everybody on your team passes the same way nobody sets the same way nobody serves the same way like in a gold medal squared system your jump serve everybody's like what is that Marv's like shaking his head like this this can't be possible like he, why is she taking 17 steps and what you know what I mean yep. so what was it like just like person I guess personality wise changing from coach Cook who's like a, a player's coach to then now going to Hugh where it's like it's my way or the highway yeah it was definitely different um but I don't know i obviously like you having the success that he had, like clearly he had the resume to like take us to where we wanted to be. And I didn't know how it was going to like, what it would take to get there. Right. And so like, I wanted to be an Olympian and I wanted to be a part of it. So it's like, to me, it's like, all right, well suck it up, Jordan, like get it together. And like, this is what you're presented with and you know, you better change. So I don't know. I never, um yeah I don't know there wasn't that much of a difference but I I know I just appreciated Hugh's vision like on things right like I don't think that I would be the player I am today if I wouldn't have made those changes and I'm thankful for that because um 
yeah, clearly I wouldn't be here. <laughs> so. What was your guys' original thought, that first quad going, like preparing for obviously your first Olympics? And like, what was your vision? Like, not necessarily volleyball-wise, but team-wise and culture-wise, what were you guys trying to embody in order to be like, okay, this is what we need to do. This is who we need to be in order to win a gold medal. Yeah, you know, I was really just trying to like figure my own crap out. Like when you just have to be good where you are and just try and make the team, you know, just yeah. be okay in that space and like keep learning every day to try and be my best because I think I'm just trying to be there, you know? And so yeah. I think I was kind of oblivious to like all those things going on around me because I just, I, whatever was asked of me, like I just, did, you know and so I think from a culture standpoint I think if you compare from 2012 as we get down to 2016 like quad I mean I think we tried to make some really internal chain changes culturally because I think there was a lot of not corruption but just a lot of like angst and a lot of things that had been in the past that were kind of acceptable um like treating like the young kids poorly or talking down to them or those kind of things. And so we really, as we trans transition in 2016, we wanted to kind of make that change. But I think those were the things that were lacking in the 2012 uh, quad. For sure. And I think a lot of that, I, obviously I don't know the guys on the 08 team super, super well, but I've heard stories where like they just treated each other like animals. Yeah. You know, cause they're like this, <laughs> You know, like, uh, I think Alfie Ref told me a story about he mishandled a free ball and Tom Hoff, like, borderline choked him out right there. And <laughs> lo and behold, Alfie never mishandled a free ball ever again, right? But Yeah, because he's not, terrified. Yeah, because he's terrified. <laughs> like, they used total fear as a motivator, like, the whole time. But they all, like, loved it. So you have to, you know, and that was just their culture. But what – what do you think as you've developed from that first quad, how, how did people motivate you then? And what do you feel like got the best out of you then? And is it still the same today or has it matured a little bit or evolved a little bit? And is that based on skill, experience, whatever, or just has your personality changed as well? Mm, that's a complicated question. Um, I mean, I don't think like the way things were handled in my first quad were necessarily the best, right? Like getting me to do something or like pay attention to something like by degrading me or saying how like shitty of a human I am, excuse my language. Like oh, yeah. it's like, to me is not overly motivating, right? Um, sure. But I think there's a way to communicate it, right? Like as I've gotten older, there's a way to communicate that and kind of create like a relationship outside. So you one, have a better understanding like of who that person and player is and why they respond in the manner that they do. And so if you have that background knowledge, therefore when you approach them on the court or you do yell, maybe yell at them in a stern way of like, hey, like we gotta pick that tip up. Like there is no excuse. Like what were you seeing kind of thing, you know? Like there's, there's this level of like intent and trust behind what is coming and the, ex the expectation that is involved. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if that fully answers your question, but, um, okay. Yeah. I, I think that's just that perception of like 
maybe the examples that were held or like how like the vets kind of treated me and like how can I make that change or not change but just like not be that in a sense you know and like be more um efficient in the way I communicate and yet still hold the standard for sure and I think I think a lot of that is like generational as well because even when I was in college like our seniors fifth year seniors would just berate us and I I don't know if it's because we were good coming out of high school or like what their real or if they were just really trying to help and we were just soft or what the deal was (laughs) but I remember going into my sophomore year I was like I'll never treat a human like that ever again yeah like I never want to see somebody just crushed like we were crushed yeah because it just yeah you know it just didn't help but this I is su- wanted, sorry go ahead so this is super random but like some people to me it's fake they say oh I play better when I'm mad or coaches believe like oh I have to piss someone off for them to play better who have you known that actually plays better when they're mad because I think that's a very small percentage of people goodness uh yeah if there's anyone I don't know of anyone necessarily um Michael Jordan maybe (laughs) no I'm just kidding uh yeah I don't know yeah I don't know that's a good question I I agree with you I don't know like what percentage that is or if they're you know it just doesn't seem optimal to me and it just seems like a a big fairy tale yeah for sure for sure No, but going back to that other, I just, I wonder though, like, okay, like we have turned out pretty well, right? Like, is it because that we were hold to that standard? For sure. You know, and we incorporated a little bit, like, and kind of have this tough exterior. I I don't know, because I do think that there should be a balance of that, right? Where I feel like now people are like, oh my God, my coach yelled at me, like, I quit. You know, or I need a transfer, right? You're so telling like, me. You know, and I, I think there's, there should be a balance, right? Like, I think there, again, there should be a way to, to hold that standard and be able to communicate in a manner. But I also think that um, we need a little tough, tough love sometimes, you know? Yeah. I mean, you look at a guy like Bernardino, right? Who's had success on both the men's and the women's side. Yeah. And for those people that don't know who he is, he was the national team coach for the men and he coaches pro for the women in Brazil now, but he's a yeller. Right. And I, I talked to Carly Lloyd and extent about him. Cause I was just curious, like what, what is this guy like? And she said, I've never played for a guy that cares more about you in the world. And so anytime he's yelling, you you just think of it in like the softest tone possible. Cause you know how much he cares. <laughs> Right, but like some guys, they just yell and crush you because it makes them feel good, or yeah, it's like an ego it makes her thing feel good, or yeah, or whatever, you know. Like Micah came on and said, the first day she met Russ Rose, he was like, "You're gonna hate me after your four years," but that's just his thing. Like, I mean, clearly he's doing something right. I mean, how yeah. Many, yeah, clearly, it's just his motivator. Yeah, yeah. So who's to say? But anymore, I do think there should be some sort of balance um, with that. And yeah. I think the common denominator there is like you have to care about them as people first to get the most out of them. Like you're saying, Bernardino. 
you have to know them as people and care about them. Like your parents love you, but they yell at you once in a while. For sure. You know, when we talk about like assuming best intent, right. Assuming that the tone in which they're saying it, like, isn't coming across in a manner in which that maybe is intended, but know that like the intentions that they really feel like inside. So. Yeah. I mean, when you're competing, like nobody's like, Hey, could you please take line? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, hey, we're. Take line! Yeah, it's like we're competing here. Like, I'm going to yell at you sometimes. Like, I'm going to get on you sometimes because this is war. Yeah. Like, we have to win. Yeah. At the end of the day. But so then going into your second quad, um, obviously, culture and dynamic changed pretty fast because within two years, you guys won a world championship. I know. Crazy. You I was know? thinking about that this morning. Yeah. <laughs> And like, how was it like immediately after the Olympics? At this point, you're not necessarily a vet, but you have experience. I mean, you've played in a gold medal match now. How fast did you guys like turn the franchise around? And you're like, we are now going to accept you as human beings. We are not going to (laughs) deny your freedom of personality anymore, you know? Yeah. Honestly, to tell the truth, I was going to quit. I was like exhausted. Like after 2012, I was like, I, if this, this is how it's going to be, like, I don't want to be a part of it because it was not like, I remember after obviously losing sucked, but then just like the feeling after I was like, if this is what it takes to like be a part of this, like, I really don't want a part of it, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And cause I've been like, we talked about on the uh, last podcast, like, 2008 was such a special team for me and like going from something like of that feeling and like what it meant to be a part of a team and then going to something that's highly dysfunctional like I just was like no this is not for me and so the fact that like Karch kind of took over and that was kind of like the main like driving force and obviously like having people like Courtney Thompson, Krista Hermato and those people kind of taking the reins and like what those like what that really means and putting all these people in place like adding Mike Gervais like I mean, huge, huge, um, like culture shift. Like I was like, okay, I see this vision. I, I, I believe in the people too, like the, the people that we had surrounding us. And so, um, yeah, it was, I don't know. I saw that vision and I saw that it, it has worked in the past for me. So why not now, you know? What was your guys's, I mean, it could be the same for every tournament or different for every tournament. I don't know, but what was your guys's, like vision going into world championships and like that block leading up to it were you guys was there like a lot of pressure or stress or was it like oh it's it's just another world championship like we just got to go play or what, what were you guys thinking yeah so we actually uh we didn't make grand prix finals uh that year so yeah. we played grand prix ended up not making the finals which was not good which means you're basically not top five in the world in a sense yeah because they do take a lot of those top teams there. And so that was a really big eye opener. And I remember that training block, like, all right, like we clearly need to get better in all of these areas before we like go to world champs. And I just remember like, like people were pissed that we didn't make the final. And so it was like, gave us like this crazy amount of motivation. I remember serving being like our one that we needed to like just increase immensely. And so we all, I, I remember if that's when I shifted to a jump float. I think that was the time of it. I don't remember the actual time. Um, but 
yeah, I just remember that training block was like so focused on like, what do we need to get better? And like having that momentum going into world champs and then like to see it pay off. Like, but again, a lot of people don't know, we barely made it in. We needed Italy to win in order for us to be in the final four. Our fate was in the hands of Italy. Like we had no, no, like we had done what we could, but like it wasn't enough to get us in the final four. So uh, we needed them to beat Russia, I think. And there was zero motivation. Italy was already in by a lot. And so they needed to beat Russia in order for us to be in. I heard from Marv when he came back, we just sat down and talked about the chance for probably like four hours or whatever and just dissecting it. And he said that because we're the USA, like we get screwed on a lot of things. And he said scheduling was pretty brutal for you guys, where you end a match at midnight, go to sleep at three because you're decompressing, and you're the first match the next day. How did you guys deal? Yeah, like how do you guys deal with all these emotions and like all these barriers and the stress and this pressure and all this stuff? Like how, what keeps you guys going or what kept you going? Just yeah. the goal? Yeah, for sure. I mean, all of us, like, believed in what we were working towards and, like, had this, like, insane buy-in from everybody. And, like, I don't know, everybody was just, like, working together. Like, some matches, like, starters wouldn't start. And so, like, finding a bet, like, when we had those quick turnarounds, like, if it was maybe um, a lesser, I shouldn't say that, but just, like, we would just kind of alternate, not alternate all the time, but like there was definitely like an ebb and flow to the tournament. And I thought Card did a good job of like finding that balance of rest and recovery and just, but world championships is by far the hardest world championships, world cup by far the hardest. I mean, it's 15 matches and what is 15, whatever, I don't know, the actual 12 days, something like that, 12 matches in 15 days. So it's just, it's ridiculous. So for sure. I mean, you if you really think about it and you dissect each and every tournament that's played in international volleyball, whether it's like Champions League or international, world champs means probably the most in scale of like who is actually the best team in the world at that moment in time. Because sure. you have to beat everybody. You have to beat the African teams, the Asian teams, the North no. teams, the European teams. And it's like if you could make it out of the grinder, you're it. So that's pretty awesome that you guys and like and like you're saying it's not the same seven people doing everything it's everyone on the roster has a has a role that's probably like amplified in that tournament for sure for sure yeah I actually hurt my back I think it was like the first or second game and so I had to sit out like a match and a half or something like that and so like yeah people just had to plug in and be ready to play when their time came. And so I think, I don't know, it just really showed the depth of our team won and just like, again, that buy-in, like we, yeah, we needed that. So. That's probably a direct result of that culture shift you were talking about. For sure. Maybe that didn't happen in 2009 or 10 or whatever. Yeah, no, definitely not. I don't think so. But again, I think we had a lot of talent back in that first quad. Like we had ridiculous talent. I mean, we were like killing people. Like you guys were probably the most physical team in the world at that moment in time. Ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, it was just, I I never questioned like, are we going to win this match? It was like, of course, like there was never a question, you know? And so, I think that's what was so shocking back in 2012 when we lost to Brazil, right? Coming out 25-13, the first set, like, come on. 
you know, and then just, but we had nothing to fall back on. We hadn't had any adversity. And so you get in that match and all of a sudden like Brazil's like running around ah, like their crazy selves and we had nothing, nothing to give. So sorry to keep going back to that. but <laughs> Oh, it's okay. Oh, it's good it's, stuff. No, it's interesting because it feels like you've had obviously a, a lot of young people and old people that, have never really played at a high level or done a lot of things at a high level don't realize that like failure just happens way more frequently than you're going to think it's going to happen. Right. For sure. And like you, the way that you make 2012 sound is exactly how you make your freshman season at Nebraska sound. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So like, it's just, it happens. There's just some things you just cannot control. It's just going to happen. For sure. And, and that's so, what yeah. that's what Micah was saying about her team at Penn State too. Is they just had to go through some not so fun stuff in order to finally be good enough yeah. to get through it. You know, I, it's it's just something. I it's a reoccurring theme as we talk to high level people. Um, pretty interesting though. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, and then moving forward, I th- like the year before the Olympics is a pretty interesting year, right? Because at that point in time, world cup was a qualifier or it yep. wasn't a qualifier. Yeah. It was a qualifier. It yep. it did, you guys went. No, we yeah. finished. So typically the, qual- the world cup is top three, but right. that year they changed it to the top two and we right. finished third. And so therefore we ended up not qualifying there. Um, I don't remember why oh they changed the point system too so if they went if it was i think it was win loss or i think if we would have went off of points we would have been second but i think they went off of win loss i could be backwards but for some reason they decided to switch it that time and so we ended up finishing third but in reality we probably would have finished second um and so we ended up not qualifying which is okay it's not of course you want to get it done and over with right like but I think a lot of people were thankful that we all went to our club seasons. It gave us time to come back um, in December and like train for like 10 days leading up to the qualifier and kind of taking, it's a nice break in between like overseas sure. life and getting to spend Christmas with our family a little bit and then, you know, prepping for that qualifier. So. And was it, I'm curious as did anything change in the gym, like the feeling in the gym after you guys had won a world championship, like was there a weight lifted? Was there more stress? Was there more pressure? Because you're like, we're officially the world champion, and now people expect us to win our first gold medal because we've done this. <laughs> you know what I mean? But seriously, yeah, like for sure, there has uh, to be like an aura or an ambiance in the gym that changes a little bit because you're like, we just did something really big. Yeah. Um... I'm sure there was, I don't, I don't remember it feeling like, Oh my gosh, like we've done, you know, this crazy thing. I don't know. Um, but I think we just kind of got back to the drawing board and just like, Hey, what do we still need to get better at? Right. Like we, again, I think we all knew that if Italy wouldn't have won that, like we, we wouldn't have been, you know, yeah. and so like we were, we were kind of on there by chance in a sense, like initially, right. Like, of course we deserve to win and all those things, but I think we all knew that it's like there's still room for improvement and that was kind of like world championships was kind of like when China started like 
really taking off and yeah. you could see the potential that China was going to have. And so it's like, man, the world is starting to go like this. We got to keep going like this. <laughs> right. I think, um, yeah, I mean, that's a good team, obviously. Yeah. I mean, Zhu Ting's pretty good player. Yeah. Sidetrack here, but listening to the Jordan documentary the last few weeks, it pisses me off that they call the NBA championship the world championship. Because I'm like, no, that's an actual tournament. Yeah. There, there's something called the world championships, and it's not in the NBA or the – the uh, uh, MLB or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, I, never noticed, I never noticed them calling that. Huh. Yeah. It's like, oh, we, we're the world champions. No, you're the NBA champions. Yeah. Interesting. I'm sure they thought like just globally, like the impact the NBA has had, I think. I'm For sure. That's why they would do that. But that is interesting. No, you're right. Like, it's like, yeah, all these other, there are world championships in other sports. I would be curious, but obviously I think like, in, like, I USA would win, right? I would assume. Yeah, it's it's clearly the top league in the world, but yeah, I don't know. It just it rubbed me the wrong way listening to it last night. I was like, "What? There's something called the World Championships, and this isn't that tournament." Yeah, I fell asleep like 20 minutes till the end of it. I was so bummed. I still have to finish it, so don't ruin it. Yeah. Yeah, Matt still has to watch it too. Yeah. yeah. All right. So then, what what's summer like going into the Olympics? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think just a lot of anticipation and like, I don't know, I think all of us were just excited to get back together. I think we had this like great momentum and like great, like feeling about how it was going to go. And like, I think there was this like real belief that like we could do it and we were putting all these things in the right places. And like, we were all like confident in who we were as people and that was going to make the best team. And, um, I don't know. I think everybody kind of at that point had kind of accepted their role in a sense, like, Hey, this is where I'm at. It still was uber competitive. Don't get me wrong. But I think there was this underlying like acceptance of roles and um, yeah, people knew what, what it was going to take. So yeah, it was cool. Does that role acceptance happen organically you think, or for that specific point in time, or is it a lot of conversations? Yeah, I, I'm sure there are a lot of conversations going on behind the scenes, but uh, I do think there is some sort of like organic thing, right? Like there's a consistent starting lineup typically. There's, you know, like, um, but yeah, but I, I'm sure a lot of conversations were happening as well. I was going to sure. say, is Kurt pretty good about role clarity? So I think that's huge to like identify like I am this. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that quad he has and was. Um, I would say this quad, it's been a little bit, we just have a lot of talent, right? Yeah. And so we have a lot of young girls coming into the gym. It's like, how do they fit into this? And, you know, at what point do you, like, choose experience level over, like, just talent, you know? Because experience level, too, like, plays a role Huge. as well. So it's like, how do you outweigh that? And so I think um, – yeah, I think it's been less consistent um, than it has than it was last squad. Yeah, it's just a different puzzle. It is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some I people mean, are getting older, like me, right? Like I just uh, like we had Sue, Bo Sue Bird on the on our team podcast last week, or our team podcast, our team meeting, and oh, wow. she she used the like analogy of like 
the treads of the tire. Like I'm, she's going to be 40 next year. And she's like, I was hoping to make like my last Olympics before hitting the big four zero. And she talked about like the treads on the tire, right? The older you get, like the less tread you have. And so like the amount of practice level goes down. Like just, it's not about like that we don't, that she doesn't have in her, right? It's just, she doesn't need like as many reps as other people, right? And so I'm like, now I'm like, I have less tread too. (laughs) Like it's just, it's so hard. It's so hard every day, right? Like you got these young kids coming in from college and it's like, they're feeling great. I'm like, just, man, I'm just trying to get two hours, you know? So, uh, it's, it's, gets tougher as you get older. So that's so so cool. She got on the zoom call with you guys. Oh, it was was all time legend right there. Yeah. And the funniest person ever, like really so authentic and yeah, really cool. Nice. I heard that Kobe came and talked to you guys at one point in time. Yep. How was that? I, I, I mean, he's cool. just, like, the coolest. Yeah, it was in the quad of 2012, right before we left for the Olympics. And, yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, like, I wasn't a fan. I was, like, I didn't – I don't know. I didn't like his demeanor on the court. I, I don't know. I just wasn't um, – I didn't understand. And then when he came and talked to us, I was, like, huh, I get it like why he is the way that he is and like I know it's interesting to learn like the the reason behind or like his ability to push his teammates or do these kind of things and like the way he acts it's like it makes sense and the older I've gotten the more of that stuff like I can understand right but when you're a young kid it's like you're again like just trying to make the team and do everything and you're oblivious to things that are going on around you and so having him come in and talk was awesome what's one thing that he discussed that really stood out and resonated with you and has like stayed with you through your whole career so far? Oh goodness. That's a long time ago. Um, Cause I remember Marv told me a story that he was, he was learning how to post up from Kurt Rambis and like all these guys are trying to teach him how to post up and post up and he's not listening to anybody because he's Kobe Bryant. And so yeah. Kurt Rambis, it takes Kurt Rambis to walk up to him. He's like, Hey, I think you should try this. And Kobe like resentfully tries it and it works. And he's like, and he's like, I told you Kobe. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever motherfucker, you know, and then like walked away, <laughs> you know, but like, cause that's just who he is. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, just like how hard he works and like his work ethic and like the ability to come in at all hours of the day and that kind of stuff like I think I resonated with that like just putting in the time and like then that is kind of like not fuel but just like I don't know kind of like how Michael Jordan wouldn't do anything that he wouldn't put himself through kind of thing and so I think Kobe had very similar um tactics and and ways to do that to be successful so but I know some of his family and like I just think they are the kindest people and so I'm like if I met his daughter and I'm like if you can raise a a child that is this amazing like you are doing something right in this world and so I I don't know I really uh empathize with the family and just yeah I mean he I think was doing it right I think the perception for me of that's what was, I didn't understand why sometimes, but I think him coming to talk and then getting to know some of his family, like I was like, 
I get it. And sometimes it's not always, I think Jordan, right? Like on this, uh, the last dance pod or thing, like he wasn't the most liked guy, right? But like, he's clearly successful. So the hell. What's interesting about him is like, you could really hear the resentment in like episode seven and eight, you know, of like how big of a jackass he was. Yeah. And his teammates blatantly say like, oh, he was an asshole. Yeah. Right. But what's interesting is all of them stand up for him off the court. They're like, he was a great guy off the court. We went out gambling together. We were playing golf together. We were smoking yeah. cigars together. And so like, although he wasn't, you know, the most well-received person on the court, he was great off the court, which I think goes totally overlooked. Like, I think people just think he's a jackass. Yeah. But his teammates are like, no, he was like the funnest guy ever. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, and I've, what I've understood about Kobe is Kobe was not a fun guy. He was just like, this is it. This is the way. Well, that's the, that's kind of a shift he made from yeah. the beginning of the 2000s to when they beat, the Celtics in like 2009 and 10, um, he learned how to get the most out of his teammates and he learned how to communicate and things like that. And of course I don't like, I didn't talk to the guy or anything, so I don't know it for a fact, but things I've read and things I've listened to, that was like his main focus. He wasn't like changing his jump shot. He was learning how to work with people better and get the most out of people. So, I have a question for you, Jordan. When, because you said on the last part, you said that you were working on, like, your communication, like, your ability to, like, understand other people on your team. Is that something that was brought to your attention? Or is it something that you've always thought about and now you feel like, okay, I need to put this into work? No, yeah, it was definitely brought to my attention. A lot of times we would have these team meetings and like, um, I can give an example. Uh, Rachel Adams, I sometimes last squad, I would get on her quite a bit. Like one time she missed like four serves in a row. And like, it was really hard for to understand like why I was like, dude, like just get a serve over the net, right? Like you're like you're not giving us an opportunity to even have a chance, right? And um, what was hardest for her was that she we have a little visitor. Hey. Say hi, Spud. Uh, what's hardest for her was that I didn't even realize that I wasn't even like acknowledging her in the morning, like not even saying like good morning, Rach, how are you? Like or oh. just like any sort of like I just was so like focused on like what I'm trying to do that I was just completely like negating like those around me and just like we got to get it done and like I was so just like dogmatic in a sense and so until she was like hey like you don't even like say good morning to me in the morning but like yet you're willing to like get on me on the court like what the hell you know and I was like I didn't even know had no idea and so like creating that like having that Uh, off the court relationship and like having some sort of like thing to fall back on like allows me that like understanding and freedom to like hold people accountable on the court so that's just a small example but it's happened not just with her it's happened with other people of like hey the more time you spend off the court the more I can understand and trust in what you're saying 
it's a, I mean, it's a huge component or component to building culture. Yeah. You know, and so post 2016, like it's obviously it's another heartbreaker. Yeah. What are you thinking going into the next squad? Did you or again were you like I don't think I can handle this again or? No, I mean I. Yeah, I don't know. I was still kind of like questioning if I wanted to continue. Like, is this where I want to be? Like, can I really do it another quad? And I had signed a couple more year contract overseas. So I was like, yeah, I'm in it. Let's, let's try again. And let's, let's go for it again. And obviously like, excuse me, Karch being at the head of it. Um, I, I don't know. I was excited to kind of see where I could go. And, um, yeah, I wasn't necessarily as scared as, um, after 2012 so and I mean like it's no secret you guys have changed lineups and rosters and there's probably been like 40 different people inserted over the last three years just trying to figure out like who's gonna go and I don't know what obviously I don't know what it was like but what was the feeling in that training block before this last world championships was it the same type of demeanor you guys had in 2014 of like okay like we know what we need to work on or was there could you feel that there was a little bit more i guess fear and stress and the other people around you because they're like we have no idea who's going to go to this thing because there's so many different options yeah um Yes and no. I mean, I don't think there was like this crazy amount of like stress or anything. Um, I knew that again, the world had gotten a lot better. I mean, China was, is ridiculous. Italy's ridiculous. Serbia. I mean, I played with Boscovich, so I'm like, we have to stop her at some point, you know? And so I think the, that fear of like, how are we going to like stop these hitters that can literally just take over a match. And so I think, that was mainly the focus versus like on us. I feel like we had a lot of good stuff in place. Do you like looking back now, do you feel like you guys, do you wish you guys would have focused more on yourselves? For sure. Than like the other, like your opponents. Yeah. Yeah. Again. And I don't think if I remember, I don't think we were trying to overly think that I just like for me personally, like I was like, guys, like, how are we how are we gonna stop these people you know yeah. like it's, it's crazy so and like obviously you guys are gonna see them again in the olympics uh, how do you feel like what are you gonna do differently instead of being like how am i gonna stop all these people because obviously yeah. like you can't fix the world's problems by yourself what are you gonna do differently like to change Come on, I can't. Going forward, I mean, it's pretty hard. I guess you could. Michael Jordan did it, but he, <laughs> he needed the triangle. Yeah. Um, I think just, like, facilitating, right? Like, having these conversations, like, now, right? Like, in the pandemic, right? It's not – we're not talking about that, but we're working on, like, relationship-wise, like, how can we become more of this unit versus, like, the younger generation, the middle generation, older generation, like how can we kind of create this like all encompassing thing and like have this understanding of like, until we have this, like, I don't know like how successful we can be in a sense. And it's not that we don't have that, but I think in order for us to be successful, we need like a tight knit group. Yeah. I think, um, 
who who initiated these conversations? Like, was it stemmed from the staff of being like, I think we need this, I think we need a tighter knit group, or was it you guys, the players, that are like, we need to start doing these Zoom calls, we need to get something so that we can get ahead of the rest of the pack? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I, I've just been feeling kind of off, like, not me, not me personally, but just like feeling like this kind of disconnect on the team. Like it, there's kind of some animosity it feels like. And so I think like it was me kind of having these conversations with people like, Hey, how are you feeling? Hey, what's going on? You know, how are, how are things going? Like maybe we need to make a change and like, how are we going to go about changing that? And like, what, like in a sense, what legacy do we want to live? Especially like the older vets, like what do we want to like think about? Like we have this time, like, how are we going to use this to our advantage? And like, if we can use this time, like let's look back in 15 months from now and be like, God, thank God we use this time and really invested in each other and try to find a solution and make a change now. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, like we, I think we talked about on our last podcast because we asked, now we're asking everybody like, who are you and what do you stand for? Cause those questions were just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> brought up. And Maddie Kingdom was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I was like, well, think about your legacy that you're going to live behind, right? Like anytime I go and play with somebody new, the only thing I want them to think is, wow, he was pretty good at volleyball, but man, he was a great guy. Yeah. Like he was a better guy than he was a person. So it's interesting that you bring up legacy because a lot of people are like, well, like you got to win X amount of whatever. That's my legacy that I'm going to live behind. But in all reality, championships fade. It's like, who are you? And like people remember that a little bit more for sure. sure. Yeah, no, it's, but I think, I think the fact that Maddie like can't answer that quite and not a shame on Maddie. Like, I think it's a lot of people, right? And I think yeah. that, that's what we're striving for. Like, what do you stand for and what can you bring every day to make our team successful? And I think having that clear vision and that like almost like personal statement, like, allows that freedom and that like ability to like let the this other crap go like who's starting who's playing whatever like all that stuff like fades you know because in yeah. reality like, I know what I stand for and this is what I'm bringing every day and this is how I'm going to be in this moment yeah and then like I think you Micah and Maddie have had very comparable answers and like from for you it, it was like uh, I don't know. Boom. And then he answered like five seconds later. I was like, yeah, that's yeah. pretty fast. I don't know. Micah took a little bit of time and Maddie took the most time. But by the end of it, she was just like, I just want to be myself. Like, I just want to be the best me that I can be. And I think you answered that question along the same lines and Micah answered the question along the same lines. So I think it's unique that you guys are all like, obviously you're all on the same ship, but each one of your, individuals yet all of you are answering around like the same type of question yeah. right of like oh this is my answer oh this is also my answer and I think that's really cool and I think that's really gonna like bring you guys together I don't know what your team looks like or who you guys are but if you guys are all answering the same way that you know if there's one common denominator here for sure yeah no it's I don't know and that's like what gives me chills because I think it's just like how unique of a situation and I think that's 
like when I think about the time where volleyball is not going to be a part of my like playing right like I'm like I think that's what I'm going to miss the most is like people like striving to be like the best self and like you're never going to like facilitate that anymore you know like that environment you know like when you talk about failure like we cards talks about a lot like the amount of times that we fail on a daily basis like it's just nobody experiences that right like you miss a serve and it's like man shit like I miss a serve right like an ounce of failure but like in the real world per se like how often are you oh man I didn't get to send that like email you know what I'm saying like you just can't like fail at the same level which means like the the ability to grow is like so much less again my my view and Karch mentions it sometimes too so I think that's pretty spot on Speaking of when it's all over, not that you have an exact date to when your career is going to be over. Um, what are you going to get into? What are, what what are some other interests you have? Are you going to be a coach? Or, yeah, what are you what are you going to be doing? Yeah, so obviously I signed on with the Athletes Unlimited, so I'll probably be kind of intertwined there and kind of see how that goes, and just being a part of that board and determining how long I want to play there and do that kind of stuff. Um, then I'm also like uh, releasing my own website um that is gonna offer like originally it was gonna be like camps so I was gonna do like a series of camps and then I'm now I'm basically shifting it to all like online right now so online consulting coaching consulting one-on-one coaching all that kind of stuff so um yeah I'm kind of excited for that avenue it's become a lot like it's 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 a lot of work but it's been fun and um I just am I want to share everything that I've kind of learned and what I see and um, kind of my time to give back a little bit. Yeah. Let me, let me know when you start that up, we'll all fly you out to Nevada and you can drop some knowledge on the wolf pack. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, I think what I also want to try and communicate to you is that I don't know everything. So <laughs> I've learned a lot of these things along the way and uh, yeah, I, I'm not one to necessarily speak often, but I, I do want to be able to like share what I see and, and do those kind of things. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. You've got a client right here. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Does this, is the website up and running? June 9th. June 9th. Hey. What's the name of it? Uh, JordanLarson10.com is the name of it. Um, shout out. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, it's uh, been a work in progress, man. It's been, I've been working on it now for almost geez, eight months. So we'll see. All right. What, so here's my last two questions for you. What's yeah. one thing you learned from Hugh that you're like, wow, that's pretty genius. And what's one thing you've learned from cards where like, okay, this, this is revelatory stuff. Yeah. Hugh. Oh goodness. They're both just so different. They are very different. Um, I think just like thinking about like efficiency, like what, like you said, like why, when I'm serving, why am I making this roundabout thing where I'm just losing just so much power? Like it makes complete sense to me. Jordan, why are you trying to fight midline to pass when you clearly have the ability to pass outside your body and that allows you to start your approach like much faster and sooner? Like to me, that is like, I was so eye opening and just so like riveting I'm like what is this why have I not learned it yet in a sense and um 
Karch, I mean, just, I think his work ethic, I mean, his ability to compete and um, his time to like want to make our program great. Like he works so incredibly hard. And I think um, obviously his knowledge too, as a player, I mean, I always try to pick his brain about like why to do something or, you know, what do you think about this, this scenario? So um, just his overall experience is pretty cool. That's pretty awesome to have that guy in the gym with you as a receiver. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's pretty nice. Have you started going inside out more like he used to do? Oh, no. God, he's yeah, good. Kind on. of. Not, not really. It depends on where I pass, but yeah. He's huge on that. I mean, that's why I got a hip replacement, but it works well. You got to let us know when the gym opens up again. I'm sure, Matt, if you come down to L.A., that'd be super fun to come down to a practice and watch you guys. For sure. Yeah, no, it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would. yeah, we still don't know anything. Maybe this yeah. week they'll have a more of an update. Yeah. If that yeah, if that ever happens again. Yeah, seriously. Originally it was like four people, like four people at a time. But I don't yeah. know if that's even gonna happen. So. Yeah. Well, Jordan, I I think we're good here. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, thanks guys. <laughs> thanks for your time and uh yeah cool conversation no thank you for your we really greatly appreciate you coming on and taking the time out of your day to come hang out absolutely thanks for listening to the podcast today if you haven't already don't forget to hit the subscribe button below thanks again